for the purpose of the spiritual advancement of others, especially on the path of bhakti, certain other rules which are there no longer apply. So this is this is a, a principal element. Very hard for very difficult for those who are very much attached over many generations of following some particular rules and regulations to all of a sudden stop doing something and then to just say, well, you know, my father did this, his father did that, his father, we've done this for generations, and you ask me that now we won't do that? My parents won't accept that, my grandparents won't accept that, my community won't accept that. And you ask them just worship Vishnu, chant the holy names, and do everything in relationship to Krishna, and then those other, it's very hard for them to, to do that. Uh, so, but, uh, this, is, this is actually, so in other words, the opinion is, there may be a whole section of the Vedas dealing with this topic, such as the pastime of Ajahnila. Let us pretend that doesn't even exist in the scriptures. Because we can't understand it. So let's just negate that. So Prabhupada calls that mentality, or that philosophy, the half of chicken philosophy. So many people like to follow the half of chicken philosophy. That I like the back part of the chicken because it gives me the eggs. <laughs> but I don't, I want to remove the front part, I don't want the front part of the chicken because you have to feed <laughs> The problem is, when you have half the chicken, <laughs> you don't get eggs. <laughs> so, even if you accept just a portion of the Vedas, you don't get anything. <laughs> you get a hodgepodge of nonsense. So, but this is so. This is a you know it, it is an extremely important principle, but very hard to uh, accept for those who follow something blindly and prefer to find that follow something blindly for generation after generation. <coughs> So, uh, so this pastime is highlighting that. So for persons who, you know, they have so many rules and regulations and they're hearing this, Ajil, he's, he's a sinful person. He hasn't followed any of the rules and regulations. And of course this is, again, one of the reasons that people from certain backgrounds find it very hard to accept Westerners as bona fide Brahmins, <laughs> eligible to you know, worship the deity, chant the Vedic mantras, etc. And um, so I used, when I first started doing uh, different um, samskaras and ceremonies, I always remember 
when I got to the door and they would look and they'd say, I'd say, I'm here for the ceremony. And they'd say, okay, is the pundit in the car? Because I was Western, they wake up, you know, they're looking. Oh, it's hard to explain. It's just 
So, um, but and temple worship generally in Kali Yuga, even the Brahmins are neglecting. So Bhakti Siddhanta, this is the Prabhupada's time, he was saying the attitude of the priests is that they're using the Shadagam Shila, so that is the form of Vishnu, the stone. They're seeing that Shadagam as a stone for cracking nuts to fill the belly. So they're thinking that they have the Shadagam, they have the deity, people come, give money, I will feed my belly, I will feed my family, this is done. And the worship is just a little show and there is no, no devotion to the deity and temples. Actually, because of the Hare Krishna movement, even the deity worship standard in India and other places has come up because I've seen you know, these Western people, people from Europe, go to their temples, the Hare Krishna temples, the standard is so nice, the, you know, the beautiful garlands and the, the way they worship the deities and the, the standard of cooking and, and the cleanliness and everything. Uh, and there's so much interest that now we see that even the old temples who were perhaps losing some of their enthusiasm for deity worship, it is you know, reviving again on the basis of the so, but otherwise, generally there was, uh, as in, uh, there was a, a tendency for even temple worship to become, the temples becoming dilapidated, the deeds to becoming neglected. Uh, you know, the many stories of Prabhupada will tell about the, uh, the state of some of the temples and the worship. But, still, Temple worship because Lord Chaitanya and his followers, especially Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Dekor, established that in Kali Yuga the holy name of the Lord is the principal means of uh, spiritual elevation and purification. But side by side, we do do temple worship. Not as we would in Trajan Yuga, but to the best we can, but still a proper standard of uh, worshipping the deity according to the proper rules and regulations that are possible in Kali Yuga. So it must be so a proper standard. So that's that is what is called uh, the Pancharatrika Vidhi, coming from the Narada Pancharatrika. That side by side, so this, um, the spiritual process in, in Kali Yuga, as taught by especially Sri Bhakti Siddhanta, uh, that there are two rails that the train runs on, the train of Bhakti on the spiritual path. One is the temple worship and one which is and one is the Bhagavad Mahag, which is Shravan Kirtan, Smaran. Hearing and chanting, especially hearing and uh, chanting the holy name of the Lord, plus the name, form, glories and pastimes as we see Arjuna did here. That is the Bhagavad uh, or centered around the teachings of the Srimad Bhagavatam. 
do you worship? And you have the Shema Bhagavatam, the two icons uh, of our movement in that sense. Uh, and the Shema Bhagavatam here teaching us, what is the teaching of the Shema Bhagavatam? Especially an emphasis on chanting the whole name of the Lord. And then gradually that leads into chanting, uh, to hearing chanting. Remembering about the Lord's qualities, pastimes, etc. So there's a pastime that helps us to understand uh, these different uh, principles. Um, so Prabhupada, when Prabhupada was giving this lecture, he says some very interesting things, just to put things into perspective. So he was saying that. Um, you know, so we're not like the Arjuna Samajis in, in India, there's a group there. They might do temple worship, that's it's all nonsense. But then it's all juggies. So these things are actually, you know, uh, recommended. Don't have it like that. Okay. Don't do that. But they're doing it. <laughs> so, yeah. but, um, but we follow the charities. <coughs> Prabhupada says, we, we, we established temples because the Acharyas did it, but the main thing is chanting the Hare Krishna Mantra and discussing you know, Shiva Bhagavatam, etc. He said, uh, temple worship can be avoided, but we cannot avoid chanting Hare Krishna. It's a big step, isn't it? And, um, and he, he explained that, for instance, in some countries or in some places, if the people, you know, if devotees are preaching and they can't bring them, they're so low class in one sense, you know, they're unclean, so many bad habits, and there's so much work to do with them, and, uh, you know, bit, um, and you can't establish a temple. So we don't. But we can teach them to get a picture of all the time and, and chant. Chant Hare Krishna. And I'll put it through. I can do that. So that we can't stop. You know, teaching people uh, you know, to chant. So sometimes we can't establish a temple in certain places at certain times. But we must help people to chant Krishna. That we must do. And, um, uh, but he says, but if the devotees and the people there coming under their shelter, if they can do it, then yes, establish like that. He says, otherwise, that chanting the holy name, that is complete. So, there's two things there. One, the Charis taught us this temple worship is very necessary for helping us to chant the holy name of the Lord, which is um, uh, the main process. Um, he's saying that um, now one of the one of the other reasons not only is uh, temple worship very helpful for us to trained in the principles of goodness to be proper ladies and gentlemen 
But people are attracted to it, as we said. Generally, people are attracted to following different karma uh, kanda processes or different types of worship and sacrifices for attaining heavenly joy in this world and the next. So in the same way, they have the same attraction to temples for that same purpose. That if, I, if I'm not doing these different um, sacrifices, which is very hard for people to do, and get the paraphernalia, and get the time, and even get the Brahma, someone was telling me the other day, he said, when we used to want to do a ceremony, Brahma is really hard to find. He said, but we, we know people in the neighborhood, and we try and get them off the street. Like, I was just standing there smoking cigarettes, doing whatever they're doing. They're not doing anything in the world. They're not worshipping in a temple. They're just on the street, are born in a Brahma family. Please come to our home and do the ceremony. Like that. I said, we knew they weren't following, but we couldn't get another Brahma. But they were born in Brahma, so we get them into our home. So, therefore, even if you get the Brahmanas, then you've got to get the paraphernalia. And of course, if you really try to get all the proper paraphernalia to do the different uh, processes, it's a lot of time, a lot of money, and you're going to challenge it through the neck. And, uh, so, it's easier just to go to the temple. So, people attract to the temple because it's like a, an easy version of the whole karma kind of process. Let's just go there and pray to, you know, any deity. You know, well, there's a local Krishna temple, well, there's a local Shiva temple, there's a Ganesh here, you know, the Durga down there. Whichever one's closest, you want this prayer fulfilled, we help you, you know, some gifts and that, and process done. So very easy, uh, very cheap, like that. It doesn't matter who they're worshiping. <laughs> it's not a relationship between the soul and the supreme soul, it's like So people attracted. So we actually can utilize that. If they're attracted for that material benefits to go to the temples, then come here and we'll teach you how to chant Hare Krishna. <laughs> because if they, as we see, if they actually don't take up the chanting of the Hare Krishna Mahamantra and hearing from the bodies, they don't become very much purified by visiting the temple. Offering some prayers or some material things and they're just gone. That, there's, there's not a lot of changes in their life. There's, there's benefit there, you know, even on the path of liberation, but it's very imperceptible. It would take many, many lifetimes like that. It said if one perfectly worships the deity in the temple for a hundred lifetimes, that person will be able to chant the whole name of the Lord. <laughs> we don't want to take a hundred lifetimes. And, and in the way they're worshipping it, that's perfectly worshipping it. They're popping in, you know. Uh, you know, they love my money, did you know, fill the coffers, and then you get the money, okay, let's uh, fill the wine cellar, we're going to socialise with all our, you know, the uh, higher classes and everything like that. There's not a lot of benefits now. But, if people are attracted, we can utilize that. If we, you know, Prabhupada would often say, if, if uh, you know, the Prabhupada, because when he come to the West, you know, and it's, uh, sometimes he went to Tompkins Square Park and chanted. Now, if that was all he did, he just chanted under a tree, you know, 
It would be very difficult to get people to stay permanently and, and to really connect fully. But if you have temples, you know, people, it, it's much easier, it's much more attractive. The facility is there. It's uh, much better than, you know, sitting under a tree. See, a lot of people don't, don't even like grass anymore. You know, people don't like to sit on grass because, you know, in the land and the light that move up, so they buy plastic grass. Just to sit on grass at the top, maintaining it is even, you know, even harder. So they're just not interested. <laughs> so, you know, they don't want to sit under a tree on grass with a spider because people like to have homes where there's not even an insect within the whole neighborhood, you know, that's going to bother them. And these ones give them a spray. They're not going to sit under a tree. Like the birds, you know, so many dangerous creatures, you know, parrots and things. So, um, so anyway, this, um, so for a couple of different, uh, now, Tamal Krishna was in that lecture, he asked Prabhupada a, a, a question, a couple of questions, and one was, um, you know, about this uh, chanting of the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, of the nine different processes, etc. You know, to just describe a little bit more about this, uh, how they, they relate to Pancharatri and uh, Bhagavad Gita. So he explained that this uh, Bhagavad Gita, based around chanting the holy names, hearing the Srimad Bhagavatam filled with the glories of the pastimes and name and form and qualities of the Lord. That is Shravan, Kirtanam, Vishnu Shravan, or hearing, chanting, and remembering everything about the person of the Godhead and our eternal loving relationship with Him. And developing that love when we hear about how the Lord loves and reciprocates with His devotees and protects and maintains them, we develop loving attraction for him. The love that we know in this world is simply fulfilling some lust or some frustration. And, and when we hear about the pastimes of the Lord, we think, that is nothing like the love I experience in this world. The love I experience is not even love. It's, you know, it's something, it's a, a reflection of that. So by hearing these different pastimes, Shalom, Kirtan, and Vishnu, be very, very powerful, and also, it helps us to develop our relationship with the personality of God. Then, Pancharatri Divinity are the other ones. You've got Parasayana, like visiting the holy places, or you know, offering different seasonal types of worship to the Lord. You know, when we do the, um, uh, say, Snana Yatra, that's a Parasayana, you know, in the season of summer, it's good for the Lord. Season for that pastime, and the Parasayam Archana worshiping the deity Krishna in service of So many different The other two, Satyam Patnasayam, the very advanced devotees generally. So, if we perform any one of those perfectly. 
Kalpa said they are all absolute, so Archman, if you perform that perfectly, you'll get the same result as chanting the Hare Krishna mantra. But Shravan did any of those. If you do any one of those perfectly, you get the full, it is complete in itself. So that's another aspect. So we should never think that one is deficient. But in Kali Yuga, it is much harder for us in our impure state to work to do archana, whereas there is no qualification for chanting the holy names of the Lord. Even if one is you know, the most simple person like Arjuna, and he wasn't even trying to chant with the holy name, and still he got the benefit. Actually to worship the deity you actually have to try and come to the qualification and do everything nicely according to the rules of regulations and if you're impure it's very, very difficult. So it's absolute. You get the same result, but who can do it? One can do it if they're purified by chanting the holy name of the Lord. Now chanting the holy name of the Lord, we look at Arjuna. Arjuna, he wasn't even trying to chant. He was calling his son's name. Uh, he was almost, almost comatose. He wasn't even like consciously doing it either. It was like an unconscious thing. Even as he was speaking those words, he was, he was dying. You know, you try to talk at the moment of death. It's different from how I'm talking now. <laughs> you know, the words come out in a very feeble, faint, slightly indistinct way. He still got the full benefit of chanting the whole thing to the So, but otherwise, we should understand. But it's not like Prabhupada gives an example. So, in India, they do Bhagavad Sattva, which means that, oh, Prigya Paraj attained perfection by hearing the Bhagavad Gita in seven days. We will do that and we will get uh, so much benefit. What do they do, actually? They uh, sometimes they don't do the whole Bhagavad Gita. Over the time they concentrate on the tenth canto, especially Krishna's Rasalila, which is why everyone wants to hear. You know, the young girls dancing with uh, Krishna reminds them of their romantic days. So, uh, but it's a business for them. You know, that Bhagavad Saptaha is a business. The, pre the one who's doing the Bhagavad Saptaha, they're not doing it for their purification. They feed their family, they feed themselves. They did so many gifts, they did so many monetary gifts, they sell their own umbrellas in the market. <laughs> so many but, and the people, although there's some benefit, they basically just go back. The same lust in their heart, the same greed, the same material propensities are there. Now let's take it, you know, Pariki Maharaj doing it properly. I'm going to die in seven days. I'm going to hear Shiva Bhagavatam in that I want to achieve perfection, the supreme perfection in seven days. In seven days, I am going to die. In that mood, I will hear. Therefore, he's also questioning, just to make sure that the hearing, you know, he's hearing and assimilating. So he's hearing and questioning, and 
wonderful, very, very intelligent questions you can see. You can see how he's hearing by the questions he's asking. In that mood of one does hearing, Shabbat, yes, it's absolutely get the same thing. So the rapture. But the holy name, just see the benefits. Who's in that mood of Ruki Maharaj? So we think we're going to, you know, get to a seventh day. You know, we don't wake up in the morning and think, this could be my last day. I've got five days left. You know, we saw the way we set up <laughs> for the bugger of time this morning. It's like, you know. So, um, yeah, I want to uh, give some nice pastime just to also help us to understand some of this. And of course, as Prabhupada mentions that if we come, if we come to the temple, and this is where again the temples are valuable, people would like to come to the temple. They're naturally attracted to it, not necessarily to hear, but they get caught up in hearing and chanting of the devotees. It's a little trick that devotees, you know, Krishna teaches that. Don't disturb people's minds, but you know, somehow or another, divert their mind to Krishna in an attractive way, somehow or another. <laughs> you know, to chant the holy name, to hear about Krishna. Because if they do, they'll, they'll actually become very attractive. Because he is Krishna, they'll attract him. Krishna has the ability to perfectly reciprocate loving sentiments of everything Everyone wants to be loved and everyone wants to love but they can't find it properly in this world. There's something there, there's a little drop in the desert, but what they want always leaves an escaping hole. But Krishna can perfectly reciprocate that love. So when they hear about that, uh, they daily Bhagavatam is meant to be read daily. Actually, it's not mentioned anywhere, this uh, Bhagavatam. Bhagavatam doesn't mention anywhere. Read this Bhagavatam seven days. It says, read constantly, daily. Then, then what happens by chanting Hare Krishna and hearing the Bhagavatam, Bhagavad Gita, one becomes qualified with Satyaguna, the, uh, the qualities of lust, greed, anger, jealousy, they just start to disappear from the heart. All we're doing is we're sitting here, uh, hearing, speaking, we do some chanting, take a little prasad, and all of a sudden, then, therefore, uh, Bhakti Siddhanta, he inaugurated the temple, you know, there must be temple worship, along with the chanting of the Holy Name, the recitation of the Bhagavatam. Um, but also, then, he introduced that give these boys and girls Brahman initiation. They're not born in Brahman families, but they have all the qualities of Brahmanas and Brahmanas. And they, you know, therefore they can worship the deities, perform Vedic Jagdhis, uh, and, and, and so many different things like that. Because they come to that. So, now, uh, there's a pastime. It's very interesting to see how the whole movement began and, and these principles are there in that in those pastimes. So with Sanatana Goswami, uh, so we have the six Goswamis in Vrindavan and there were some other a few other 
Goswami Sri went to Vrindavan, uh, especially the six Goswamis, on the order of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and he ordered them that you re-establish the lost pastime places of Krishna. So those places where Krishna performs specific pastimes, you make sure that they're re-established, found, they're not lost anymore. People understand the pastime, understand where that place is like that. So people can come in the future from all over the world like that. And you establish temples. And especially write books on the science on the Bhakti science, so Shma Bhagavatam, and then books that help us to understand Bhagavatam, like Brihad Bhagavatam Gita, the first book Sanat Goswami ever wrote, first book that Goswami ever wrote, yeah, Bhagavatam. So Sanat Goswami was living there, um, he's right under a different tree, because um, at some stage he he went to someone's house and there was a deity there of, of, of Madhana Mahan. He was called Madhana Gopta. That deity had been found by Vayuchari, worshipped by him and then given to a household family. And that deity, Madhana Gopta, he lived with this family and they worshipped him on the altar cooked him all sorts of opulent foodstuffs and everything. And sometimes they had a son, and sometimes that deity would appear as a little cowherd boy, and the son and mother Gopal would play, and sometimes they would sleep together, sometimes they would eat together. So anyway, Sanat went there, he fell in love with that deity. He attracted his heart. Somehow or other, there was a pastime, they gave that deity prop to Sanatana Goswami, and he um, you know, gradually made a little thatch cut for the deity, and a little thatch cut for himself. And Sanatana Goswami, he used to cook some, he used to make some little, make some flour uh, balls like that, put them in the fire, and uh, he cooked that. Different vegetables that he would, um, you know, that would grow naturally in the air. He would collect them and he would sort of boil them up and uh, have the little, you know, um, you know sort of, say, baked um, flour balls. <laughs> and he would uh, offer them to the Lord. And, uh, anyway, one day, Martin Gopal, who's And you'll be wanting me to cook 
all these different things. He said that if I uh, am cooking for you daily, how will I fulfill the order of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? The Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is asking the Shabbos temple. His face is like the Buddha. So, So, so basically, what he did was he you know, made some flour balls as usual, traditional. He made the offering to the Lord. He placed a little baked flour ball in his raised hand. Said, uh, "This is uh, the best I can offer you. After all, you are supplying everything. If you want something else, you have to make your own arrangements." And of course, there is that pastime, uh, you probably all know, that um, where this uh, um, trader, very wealthy trader, was coming through with the boat, some boats. They got stuck on the sandbar. He came onto the banks, and the two boys, a couple of boys playing, and one of them was actually Martin Gopa, again, playing with some of the boys. And he asked, do you know how I can get my boat unstuck? And he said, you go up to the hill there, there's a very wise saddle up there, Sanatana Goswami, if you ask him, he'll go there. So he went and he asked Sanatana Goswami. Sanatana Goswami said to him that if you pray to the Lord, the Lord will help so right there and then he prayed to the Lord, and he prayed to the Lord, and literally within moments there was this rain deluge, rain and rain, and then it lifted the level of the boat and they were able to move. So he, he, he said that, you know, if I pray to the Lord and he helps me, I will return with the prophet from you know, some of my ways and I will build a nice temple. So he came back. He came back and uh, he actually um, he built that temple. He built four temples as well. So and uh, so what happened is they uh, that temple was built and then Sanatana Goswami established the temple of the temple worship and also. Radharani and Alita were established in that temple. So after everything was done, again, he uh, said to his Lord that, um, please forgive me, but I cannot, um, uh, I have to leave you in the hands of other devotees because I have to attend to the duties that are given to me by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So especially this uh, writing of literatures and uh, you know, making sure that we have the Shiva Bhagavatam and the, the books that uh, support our understanding of Bhagavatam, like uh, Bhakti, uh, you know, the last, Haribhakti Vilas, which Rupa Goswami took the principles and created the Bhakti Vasamri to send the nectar of the ocean. So, uh, but you see here again, 
that is important as the temple was, and he did establish it because it's by establishing that temple, he established the principles of how to worship the deity properly, fully, in Kali Yuga. So the Lord made that arrangement uh, to favor his devotees. But at the same time, that he had to put that aside to um, do that duty of, uh, you know, especially establishing the books, establishing where Krishna's pastimes were, and establishing the proper understanding of those pastimes through Shrimabhagavatam. Uh, and, uh, and, and of course, establishing these teachings here, that amongst all the processes, especially in Kali Yuga, Arinam, Arinam, but this chanting the holy name uh, is that all our devotional services are accompanied profusely with chanting the holy names. So if we're offering food, you know, there's chanting on that. Um, you know, there's a minimum chant we do on the Lord We offer food. But with everything, we take the opportunity to chant the holy name of the Lord. And whenever we chant Hare Krishna, we first chant Shri Krishna Chaitanya, Prabhupada, Shri Advaita, Sasi Guru, and Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. You see in Kormas cookbooks, especially some of the early ones, he would say, so there's those two mantras. But also, you can say, you know, you can do the change of chapter, not much, but especially, you know, a few or more Hare Krishna. There's no minimum. There's no, like, you can only chant three, or you can only chant a month. So, those mantras are chanted a minimum amount of time, but the Hare Krishna mantra, you can sit there and chant, you know, Hare Krishna through the whole offering. It's not like, Okay, I've done three, or I've done one, okay, I've done the mantras, and I'll stop chanting. But if you're sitting there for five minutes, well, you, you know, you can chant. <laughs> you're doing deals, you can chant. Uh, you know, you're sweeping the floor, you can chant. You're cooking, you can chant, like that. So everything must be accompanied by the chanting of the whole national book. So, now, this, and, so we uh, here in the third point it describes it. So Ajibio. Uh, so he can understand what are the principles of religion, rules and regulations for those on the materialistic level of the three modes of material nature. He can understand, uh, you know, these I do not need to follow like that. Unless there's something amongst there that's actually helpful to Bhakti, essential. Um, and then he can understand the religious principles which are transcendental, which concern the relationship between us as a spiritual and the person other God in. And then the perfection of that is to take up the process of 
hearing that says uh, becoming perfectly uh, pure, he could then say uh, uh, so he heard the glorification of the main fame qualities and pastimes of the Supreme Personality of God. Because if we chant the holy name of the Lord, we will get faith in the holy name that it is completely spiritual. Because I'm chanting Hare Krishna, the bad qualities that I cannot give up ordinarily are just dissipating. I'm looking at those bad qualities and I'm regretful that they're there and um, I'm not engaging in activities according to my lust and greed and you know, sinful tongue and so many different things. Just by chanting hope, we understand this holy name. I'm beginning to understand spiritual concepts which I couldn't understand before. Why is that? Because I'm chanting the holy name of the Lord. As we get faith in the holy name of the Lord, then we can understand, yes, God's form is also spiritual. If his name is spiritual, it's harder to understand the, 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 the spirituality of the Lord's form because he has this. Krishna has this uh, human-like form. <coughs> or even if we accept his form of the Ryan, but that form is not ordinary. That form is not ordinary. And if we understand the form, then naturally we can understand those qualities of the Lord. All his qualities are spiritual. There's no material qualities there. And his pastimes, even with Radharani and the Gopi, they're all spiritual. So again, in the, in the same pastime, how did Madhana Mohan, why is he called, why is Krishna called Madhana Mohan? And he's called Madhana Mohan, uh, especially related to the pastime, uh, because, <coughs> uh, as we said, that deity of Sanatana Goswami was called Madhana Gopal, but after installing the Vintak Raga, he, he called him Madhana Mohan. Well, why is Krishna called Madhavan? And this story shows the Lord's name, fame, qualities, and pastimes, even the Rasa dance, are all completely transcendental. <coughs> so, Kamadev, Cupid, when he churns the heart, He's a demigod. One time, a long time ago, he tried to incite Lord Shiva to unite with Parvati. And Shiva becomes so angry that he interfered in this way that he burnt his body to ashes. So Kamadev, he is known as an uncle, but he, he's bodiless. So he's like in a, not, not a ghost, but in a subtle, more, more subtle, invisible sort of form. You can't see him. So, which meant that he, although he's inciting everyone to enjoy their uh, material desires uh, and these romantic sort of uh, scenarios, um, he had no ability to enjoy like that himself from that point on. So he became very bored of life. And 
very disinterested. Um, and so, but someone that mentioned to him to inspire his, uh, uh, inspire him a little bit that there's one person on this planet currently, and you cannot incite lust and desires in that person. He's completely free from lust. They can't have that belief. There's no one. No one can use it. Because Shiva is different, because Shiva is Shiva Tattva. He's almost you know, like Vishnu. But even we see that uh, Shiva can sometimes be affected. Lose control of his senses. So, really, only Krishna is on that platform. So, he went to see, he heard Krishna was in Vrindavan, he went to Vrindavan and he saw uh, he, that here's Krishna and the gopis and the Rasinat. And then, in different ways, he used his usual tricks to enliven all the different senses. To Krishna, and he's very, very surprised to see that usually his arrow comes back to his quiver, but it just disappeared into Krishna and never came back. <laughs> but it's described that when that arrow entered Krishna's body, like he was expecting God, you know, to be lustful, manifest, you know, and that. Uh, it was described as like dropping a pebble into a raging river. You know, there's no reaction to the river at all. You know, Krishna is just so powerful that it just did nothing. So, uh, and then, you know, he saw that he was uh, holding Radha on his hand and still have like a personification of purity. There's no trace of, uh, you know, any material mundane, uh, lusty desires, material desires. And then he was shooting, shooting more arrows, more arrows, but nothing worked. Then Krishna, out of his causeless mercy, actually revealed to Kamala that he his full feature as the personality of God, Bhagavan Sri Krishna, the reservoir of all multifarious energies. And Kamala could perceive here is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But more so, for a moment, Krishna allowed Kamadeva to taste the love the gopis, the pure Prabhupada that the gopis had for Krishna, and for a moment he could see the lovable beauty of Krishna as they could see. So, um, of course, he wanted to serve Krishna like the gopis, but because, as we see with different personalities, but because when we're not purified, sometimes Krishna reveals himself in one of his different forms to give us incentive. Oh, I must become a pure, pure devotee, so I can just have that eternally, not just for one moment. And, and then he'll disappear. 
So, but what he did was he benedicted Kamadev that to relieve him of the curse of Shiva and he allowed him to take birth in the womb of Rukmini and he appeared along with the um, uh, you know, Vishnu Tattva expansion of Vasudeva's Pujuna and he appeared in that same Later, in that same pastime, he reunited with his wife, Rati, and they lived uh, happily during those pastimes until the end of Krishna's pastimes, like that, and then he went back to the heavenly planets. But Krishna gave him the opportunity to actually advance in Krishna consciousness. So even when he went back to the heavenly planets, he had that uh, wonderful opportunity of association with Krishna and uh, the revelation of the beauty of Krishna and the fact that his name, his form, his qualities, his pastimes are completely transcendental. So uh, if, if we begin with the holy name of the Lord, we will then be able to understand that the form of the Lord, his qualities, pastimes and even his intimate approach of the pastimes and if we meditate upon those pastimes then it removes what happens? Two things. By med constantly meditating upon those loving pastimes of the Lord, Prabhupada mentions in his uh, uh, books and uh, his lectures that we should meditate upon Krishna's loving pastimes of this devotees. In other words, we, when we, we hear about how we see love in action, in reality, that here is the Lord, that we can have that, we can experience that love, that's what the heart is always yearning for, and there it is. It's not anywhere in this world, but there it is, we can have that. So when we hear about it, we're naturally attracted to that. Krishna, if we constantly hear and chant, chant purely, chant defenselessly, chant the pure holy name of if Arjuna could get this benefit by his chanting, what to speak to those who chant and eagerly praying to have that prema bhakti within their heart. They can surely be blessed by that. And that prema bhakti enters one's heart first, the charya say, and the prema bhakti, it then removes all, you know, any traces of lust, whatever, in the heart. It removes more easily. So I see that, you know, um, and that is the goal, is to attain this uh, prema bhakti, this pure love for Krishna, by the hearing and chanting process, especially by chanting Krishna the goal is not another liberty or clearing the heart. That's not the goal. That shouldn't be the majority part of our life. The, the, the part of our life should be that as soon as possible, if we be, by hearing and chanting, we also have attracted to that love and that a drop of that um, ray of love, a little blessing from Radharani enters our heart, then it just drives away all the other impurities automatically like that. So I just leave it there.
So there's a little, this is, uh, of course, uh, what we see with uh, Ajmil, that he was able to, just by that one chanting at that time, then we'll see that he's given the opportunity in his next life to remember that, perfect his love of God, and go back to the spiritual world. So if there's any questions or comments, Well, if we don't chant the Vino service, that's the point. What's that? At the same time. The um, Prabhupada mentions that, so the question is, what is the service worship or chanting? So, Prabhupada mentions that again and again, when the hearing and chanting slacken, all your other services uh, diminish. He says, deity worship, he's talking about even devotees in this time. And we've actually, you know, we see this practically. If even solid pajaris, or, you know, they're cooking, doing so many things, if their hearing and chanting process, that main side of the slackens, the deity worship to them, Prabhupada says, becomes like a stone burden around the neck. Too hard to carry. So, you know, it's, it's not a question of uh, which one is best, they're absolute. <clears throat> but in Kali Yuga, the scriptures again and again say that the only way for spiritual advancement is the, the holy name of the Lord, then we may, by the grace of the holy name of the Lord, worship the deity. We may preach, we may manage, we may do all you know, write books, we may do all sorts of services by the grace and, and on the, by the potency of the holy name. But as soon as uh, if our chanting diminishes, then that is, um, that is the problem. So, now, chanting begins with chanting the Holy Name of the Lord. But of course, we see Prabhupada. Prabhupada writing these books, that's chanting. That's sharpening kids and smoking. The result of Prabhupada chanting Hare Krishna nicely is that he continues in, in everything he does. So, this is his Shravan Kirtan Mishmaran in the form of these books. And when we uh, read these books or distribute these books and try and teach people the glories of the knowledge in them, we're also doing We're also chanting. That's all we're chanting. Prabhupada even went to say, they're typing on the typewriter to edit my books and to write them, you know, so Prabhupada is speaking on the dictaphone. He said that typing on the, on the, on the typewriter, that is also hearing and chanting. <laughs> They're absolute. But if we chant the holy name of the Lord properly, then our hearing and chanting will take many, many different forms. But they're still hearing and chanting. So people are uh, preaching, and people go out in the street. Someone may go out in the street and they talk to someone for 10 minutes about their personal life 
so that the person will listen to them for one second when they speak about the Gurus and the Holy Name and they won't tell them to shut up. <laughs> so Sanatana Goswami, he would take a personal interest in the local families. He would spend the whole day into the evening, up until sunset sometimes. You know, how's your health? You know, this is a, you've got this, uh, you know, your, your finances, you want to get your daughter married, you know, someone's giving you. All the, the, the usual affairs of life, he would go into all the detail. Because, Prabhupada says, they loved him so much, so they said they loved him so much, when he came to their home, it wasn't so much often pronounced, but just hugging. There's no old Guruji is here, he takes it. They're hugging me. Love you so much like a family, like so intimate. But because of that, if he spoke to them about the glories of Krishna and his holy name, they would lap it up like that. And of course these are the people who would have walked into his temple with you know, brought others all over. But that talking about their so-called material life, that's Shravan Kirtan Vishnishmama. Because it's all part of the preaching process. So one might think, you know, sometimes Prabhupada is sitting there, someone's coming into his room, Prabhupada's talking about his watch, you know, the guy's got a similar watch, Prabhupada. Does Prabhupada stop Shravan Kirtan? No. By that, he is <laughs> discussing and gradually will come and Prabhupada will speak and the person, you know, because they feel they have some, you know, similarities or what have you. It creates a bond, it creates a relationship. Uh, so, you know, you see that the Prabhupada used to discuss so many different things. He can talk to people about all sorts of different things, but they would come under his influence. And then when he spoke strongly about Krishna consciousness, this is the process. This is all nonsense, and this is a process. You say that to someone. Everything you're doing is nonsense. And Prabhupada would say, you know, Prabhupada would say, you're all nonsense. You say that like <laughs> Why? Because that is part of the process. That is Shabbat okay. So, um, Chanting, uh, somehow or another, or preaching Krishna consciousness, or distributing Prabhupada's books, distributing Prabhupada's books, that is the best chanting we can do. You know, if, we, if we can make friends with someone for two minutes and talk to them, oh, you know, love your haircut, you know, you, what business you do, oh, you, you must be so intelligent, whatever like that. If they purchase a book, they take how much chanting will they do hearing and chanting as a result of the two minute conversation. So in other words, we've increased the hearing and chanting on this planet thousandfold by a two minute conversation they take on the Prabhupada's books where, uh, you know, that's all part of the hearing and chanting process. So, um, it's absolute. Worshiping the deities. When we worship the deities, our goal is to get people to chant Hare Krishna. Isn't it? 
Amen. Whatever they can do, even if they don't, they offer their pranam, they offer their obeisances, they have sufficient. They've done so much toward their spiritual life. But really, our goal, when people come to the temple, we want to teach them how to chant Hare Krishna because then they're going to go back to Godhead in this lifetime. We want to get them to, you know, take Prabhupada's books and just be absorbed in this, you know, put, put aside all the nonsense, you know, about the Melbourne Cup and this one and that one. You know, this disaster and things, cause and things. So, Krishna says in the Gita, One who, uh, you know, teaches this Bhagavad Gita, which is the beginning, the entrance, teaches this Bhagavad Gita to others. That person is very dear to me, most dear to me, and there will be no one more dear to me than that person. So, you know, Krishna says, what is the most important service? What Krishna wants now? So, for instance, say um, the Guru comes in, the Guru sits there, and usually uh, he drinks a very nice mixture of uh, different liquids and what have you, and he has that special drink. But then one time he comes in, he's just been, been out in the hot sun, he says, oh, I want some water. Oh, no, no, I, I will give you a more important uh, drink than the water. I will give you yeah. this special drink, I know you love it. Yeah. No, no, I want the water more. So what is the most important service? The main one he wants now, like that. But, but that doesn't mean that later on he wants that other drink and he's saying, oh, you asked for water before, so that's the most important. So, you know, it, the question itself uh, is a little bit what we say, you know, we ask, because it's all absolute, if we say which is more important, this, that, and the other. So according to time, place, and circumstance, what the spiritual master and the person of the Godhead wants us to do right now, that is the most important. Therefore, Sanatana Goswami, you know, he understood his service given by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the Yuga Avatar, was to especially write the literatures and teach people about this hearing and chanting process, especially. But, he's come across the deity. He wants a little salt, he wants a little ghee. So, Sanatan, he loves this deity, he wants the best for him, but he can't neglect the priority service, but he's going to fulfill that service for Madhu Gopal, establish the temple, which he does, establish the Bhagavad establish the process of worship, then he goes back to the main thing, which he did the main thing through. And he, he didn't go back to the worship. So, you know, the most important is some, you know, is what need, the main thing that he, the, the Guru wants us to do always. So as Prabhupada said very clearly in the lecture on this particular verse, there are some things we can stop, even worship, if it has to be due to circumstances. You know, we can't establish a temple. We, you know, like that. But we cannot stop the process of people taking up the holy name of the Lord and chanting itself. That we cannot stop. That must be there. See? So that, therefore, in Prabhupada's kind of words, above all things, and Prabhupada mentions, I think, at the beginning of the next instruction, 
But the most important, especially for disciples, the most important instruction is the chances to advance that. Any other questions?